If you're interested, you can check out the story of my adoption journey, Who Am I Really? An Adoptee Memoir on Amazon.com, on Kindle, or as an audiobook on Audible. I hope you'll add my story to your reading list. She's so excited. And she said, you know, we're so happy that, uh, you know, we have a new sister. And she said, I just want you to know we have enough love for another sibling. And, you know, we want you in our lives. And I was so happy to hear that. You know, that's what you want to hear as an adoptee. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, those were the magic words. Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and on today's show is Amy. She called me from Highland Township, outside of Detroit, Michigan. She described her early years dealing with the insecurities of her adopted mother, who defaulted to threats to try to control Amy's curiosity about her adoption. On her search, she learned that her biological mother had been sent away. The man on her birth certificate was not her birth father, and her mother's family had some significant secrets in its history. Secrets that Amy knows, but they don't. This is Amy's journey. Amy was born and raised in Michigan. Growing up, Amy's father was a sergeant with the Detroit Police Department. There were benefits to being a cop who lived in the city he served. So in their part of town, they lived on the last street within city limits. The whole street was filled with cops and firemen. They were a family of four, her adopted parents, her brother who was two years older, also an adoptee, and Amy. She said she recalls learning that she was an adoptee when she was about seven years old. So I do remember my mom sitting me down in the living room telling me about it, but I didn't really grasp it very much. You know, I I didn't really know what she was talking about. I didn't really realize the impact that it really would have on me. So I just kind of took the story at face value and just left it be. On their street, there was another house with an adopted boy and girl, the only other adoptees she knew of. Amy said discussions of adoption were seldom occurrences in their home. Every once in a while I could ask my mom questions, but it better be on a good day and a day that she's, you know, in a good mood and a chatty mood. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it was not spoken about at all. Interesting. I didn't tell anybody. Mm -hmm. Like, it was a secret. I told maybe like, you know, I think a boyfriend in high school and my best friend knew. And that was about it. I didn't tell people about it. I felt very ashamed to be adopted. Very much so. Do you recall why you felt ashamed of it? Um, I mean, my, I know it sounds terrible, but the adoptive mom made me feel ashamed of it. Like I was, like your own mother didn't want you. Like things like that were said to me. I would be told, oh, you know, I can take you back. I'll take you right back where you came from. Wow. So it was used as a threat 
And, you know, when you're young, you, you think they can do it. You know, so you behave. Amy's feeling was she didn't know where she came from, but she didn't want to go back there. Her mother used her adoption as a weapon, painting her adoption in a bad light. So she didn't talk about it with anyone until she was a young teenager around 13 years old. She had questions about where she was born and what the circumstances of her adoption were. Amy wanted to know her story. Her adopted mother didn't seem to know the story of her birth, so information was limited. I asked if she discussed their respective adoptions with her brother. She said they talked about it occasionally, but it didn't really bother him. But Amy felt more unsettled about the whole thing. I asked what the makeup of their family was and whether there was any coincidental resemblance at all. That was one of the things. So when my brother was adopted, um, they were told that he was Irish and Italian. And then when they went to adopt a little girl, they went with the same background and I'm Irish and Italian. Mm -hmm. So Kevin and I, we looked alike. Interesting. And we looked like my dad. Oh, really? We looked at a lot. Yeah. So it was, we did not look out of place at all. Hmm. At all. Which can be very helpful for a lot of adaptees, <laughs> you know, because you you don't feel so out of place, but then the psychological warfare that was happening inside your house would still make mm -hmm. you feel uneasy, regardless of whether you looked or like or not. There's some pretty awful things being That's said cool. behind closed doors. Yes, right. very much so. Yeah. And it was always towards me. It was never towards my brother. And I think it was towards me because I was the one that was constantly, you know, asking questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the squeaky Where wheel. He, he never, yeah, he was never bringing it up, so it was never threatened to him. But her search options were limited in pre-internet information days, and Michigan is a closed adoption state for pursuing information. Later in life, much later, like three daughters, Courtney, Megan, and Samantha later, Amy decided it was time to do something. And I don't know why, why it would be the third. <laughs> yeah. But I ended up, I ended up contacting um, the county, and I had requested for my non-identifying information Paid the money, never got it. Really? I was so, oh, so upset. <laughs> what county is this? It was Wayne County, or yeah, Wayne County. Wayne County, Michigan. Yeah. yeah, never got it. They were just bombarded, and I kept calling, and I would check with the lady, and she's like, you know, it can take up to a year, and I would, you know, months and check again, and no, we didn't find it yet, and I just, I never got it, never materialized. When Amy was 22, Courtney was born. She said after all of the extended family left and she was finally alone with her baby girl in the hospital, the gravity of being an adoptee with a newborn baby truly hit her. People were gone and I was finally left alone in a room with her. I sobbed and sobbed and sobbed over this baby. And the nurse came in and was, you know, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And I'm like, you know she's mine. And she's like, well, yeah, you know, and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm related to her. And she's like, yes, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> not understanding, you know, what I'm trying to say, but I didn't tell her, right. but I was just so amazed. I'm looking at this little being that I am blood related to for the first time in my life. And it was just amazing to me. 
her hands are identical to mine. Mm. Identical. Wow. She had the blue eyes and just, just this tiny little thing. And she meant the entire world to me at that moment. She meant so much to me. Yeah. You yeah. don't have a family mirror, right? We never get to see, oh, you have someone's hands or someone's eyes or someone's nose. And it was for the first time in 22 years I saw someone have my hands. It was amazing. Yeah. And it's magnified by the fact that this is not a person whom you could walk up to on the street and say, oh, my gosh, we're related. Look at you. Look at you. It's I mm -hmm. made this person. This person came from me, my love my you know the intercourse with another person whatever the idea that you mm -hmm. have created this life and now you're able to see it it's there before you yeah. you're gonna raise it and you're gonna love it as best as you can and for the first time mm -hmm. you as an adult are feeling this connection to a person whom you've never had a you've never you're feeling this connection to a blood relative and you've never had a blood relative before it's unbelievably awe-inspiring it really is. It's just, it was breathtaking to me. I was just so happy in that moment. So happy. Megan was born next, but it was Samantha's birth that re-energized Amy to search. She said she was a little older and wiser with internet access that provided avenues and options for her search. Amy bought a computer and began to explore websites and reunion registries. She said, she signed up for nearly every website she could find, entering her birth date, the county, and the hospital in which she was born, since Wayne County hadn't returned any non-identifying information for her to use. The online search didn't return any meaningful results. Next, she petitioned the court to have her birth records opened, and she won that judgment. But in Michigan, they won't give the records to the adoptee. They pass them to a mediator who works on the adoptee's behalf. The adoptee is not allowed to see their own file. Amy's court-appointed representative reached out to Amy. So the person contacted me and said, I have your file. You have 30 days um, to give me a $200 fine uh, or fee, and we will search on your behalf. We contact your parent. Mm -hmm. And... I backed out. I chickened out. I don't know why. I just I couldn't do it. Completely backed out. Three days slide by, and they closed it out. Really? As you reflect on it now, what does it feel like to you as to why you backed out back then? I think I was afraid somehow my parents were going to find out. Uh -huh. Like that terrified me because I would have been disowned. It was clear. You know, we, I was not to do that. Is that on your father's no, no. side also? We, we sort of skipped past him. We talked about your mother's threats, but we didn't really mm -hmm. talk about your adopted father at all. Was he in the same camp as she? Polar opposite. Really? He was such a, such a good man. Um, and, you know, I never, ever talked about the adoption with my dad. It was just like he was, you could just tell he was just so happy that he had me. And, and like life was good for him everything was great mm -hmm. but now that I look back as an adult those were my mom's insecurities mm -hmm. you know after you know a few years of therapy <laughs> right mm -hmm. trying to figure out why would someone do this to a kid um, it's her own insecurity 
she was scared. Absolutely. I, I mean, I was told, I was reminded again once I had children. Again, as an adult, she had told me, don't you ever go looking for them. I am their grandmother. Wow. Understand. Wow. So I was not going to cross that line. Even as an adult, that's have, interesting. No. No, it would have been bad. It would have been really bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if even as an adult, someone is saying to you, do not defy what I have told you, and it has been a threat that has mm-hmm. been drilled into you for years since you were a child, I can absolutely yes. see why you would, would back out. Now I get it. Now I get it. Hmm. Yes. It would not have been good. Amy's adopted father passed away in 2003. Her adopted mother passed away in 2007. Ten years later, Amy sees a television commercial for Ancestry DNA. She wanted to validate the story of her ethnic background as Irish and Italian. She didn't realize that part of what Ancestry offers are matches to your genetic relatives. She turned her sample in during December, their busiest time of year, so she didn't receive her results back until March. When her results came back, Amy learned she was barely Italian at all. She's Irish, with some English, Scandinavian, and French. Scrolling through her 300 matches, Amy saw the names of people who were biological relations, and a new world opened up. One connection, Mary, a genealogist, turned out to be an amazing person to know. Once Amy and Mary developed a rapport, Amy admitted she was an adoptee. Mary took up the charge of finding out where the baby girl adopted in 1968 had come from in their family tree. Mary quickly narrowed down that their connection was on her mother's side of the family. Within two weeks, Mary called Amy to say, My mother has a half-brother that I didn't know about. Oh, wow. And I was like, what? She's like, yes. And... You know, she, you know, they had four children. She listed off everything that I, that would fit for him. And that's how we found out was that it was her mother's half brother. That's incredible. So this, your return to this family has brought forth a secret that they didn't even know themselves. Correct. Tapping the same courage Amy used to reach out to connections on Ancestry, she decided to petition the court again, determined to stay the course and not back out. A mediator calls again, tells Amy she needs to pay $200 so they could go to work locating one of her biological parents. But she needed to pick which one, birth mother or birth father. So I had chosen my birth mother because I think I needed that one the most. You know, this was the woman that I thought, I want, like, a mom. I crave that. I wanted that that hug that a, a mom gives to their child. You know, they just love them. And I wanted to feel that. So, you know, without hesitation, it was like, I, I want you to find her. Go find her. So I paid the fee. They did the thing, and they had their routine. But in the meantime, I'm doing a heavy search on Andrew and reaching out to everybody who will listen to me. And so many people did help me. But the gentleman that got my record said, did you ever get your non-identifying information? 
And I said, as a matter of fact, no, I did not. And he said, well, I can read some off to you. And I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, I would love to hear it. The man starts rattling off facts about Amy's birth father, and she's scribbling everything down feverishly. Numbers of siblings, religious background, her birth father's roots in Tennessee. He told Amy what year her birth parents were born, and then he made an offhand comment. Oh, that's really strange. They both have the same birthday. And I'm like, really? And he said, yeah. He goes, you know, they both have the same birthday, but it's a year apart. And he said, you know, she was 19 when she had, but shortly after she had you, she had her birthday. Wow. So I was like, you know, I'm born May 23rd. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm looking for someone either at the end of May, right into the beginning of June. So it's like, as they say these little comments, they, I don't think they realize how much they're disclosing. <laughs> we're taking every clue we can get. The court representative also divulged the obscure fact that Amy's birth father left Tennessee to work in Michigan at the gas station his brother owned. There were three boys and one girl in that branch of the family. And Amy and Mary had narrowed the clues down to one guy whose birthday and physical description from the non-identifying information lined up perfectly. Amy went to Facebook and found the man, six foot two as described, dark hair, blue eyes. The guy even had pictures of himself in his early 20s on his Facebook page. Since Amy was still in contact with the mediator who was searching for her birth mother, he sh- she told him that she thought she had found her birth father. I'm like, listen, uh, I think I just found my birth father. He's like, oh, really? Who, who do you think it is? And I gave him the name. And he's like, no, I'm looking at your birth certificate. That's not the man. And I said, if this man is not my birth father, I have no idea who could possibly. I have DNA linked to this man. He fits everything, that every fact that you told me off of that list, he fits. So, and his birthday is June 12th, which is right after mine. And he's like, I'm telling you, that's not the man on your birth record. And I was like, okay. So I was really disappointed because I thought we found him. The mediator also asked Amy to draft an introductory letter to her birth mother because he had found her and he wanted to send her a certified letter. He asked Amy to include a few pictures. She carefully crafted her letter, then sent it to the mediator. When he received it, the mediator was required to read her letter to make sure that she didn't include any identifiable information about herself. Amy and her birth mother were required to maintain their anonymity at first. So a couple of days later, I get a phone call from him saying, hey, she contacted me. And I almost fall off my chair. I'm at work. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh my God, it's here, right? Right. <laughs> this, this is the moment. That I've been waiting for. Wow. <laughs> so I'm trying to stay calm in my seat, you know. And he's telling me, you know what, she read your letter. You know, she thought it was beautiful. She was crying. Um she told her sister right away. I guess her sister was a very big part of this when she was going through her pregnancy. Um, she does want to meet you, but she wants to know for sure that you are hers. And I said, okay, I understand that. I said, do you, you, she wants me to take what another DNA test. And he said, yes. And I said, well, tell you what, I've done so much research. I'm going to give you a list of names and I'm going to give you access to my ancestry account. 
call her back and give her these five last names. And if she still feels that I am not her daughter, I will take a DNA test. Hmm. And he's like, okay, fair enough. So I gave him the credentials to my ancestry account. He called her back and he gave the names that I told him to give her. And he said, Amy, I didn't even get down to the bottom of that list. She stopped me and said, yeah, she's mine. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. So I was really glad for that confirmation. Yeah. That was perfect. Oh my gosh. Unfortunately, at that time, so I finally, you know, get this connection that I've been waiting for all my life. She says she wants to meet me because I had the greatest fear she's going to reject me. And I'm just on air. I'm like, wow, I'm finally, I'm going to meet my mother. And unfortunately, my father-in-law had passed. So my husband's from England. John and I had to get on a plane and leave for two weeks right when we made this connection. Oh, boy. And I was like, oh, this is so bittersweet. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so happy, but I'm so sad. <laughs> yeah. So on a plane and, you know, we have to be in England for two weeks. So I tell the mediator, could you please tell her that, you know, I have to leave to go to England. There's a funeral. Um, I'm going to be there for about two weeks. So maybe that'll kind of give her some time to absorb all this. And then when I come back, we can arrange a meeting. And he said, oh, yeah, that's that's a really good idea. And he said she actually mentioned to me that she is going to need a little time because her children don't know about you. I was like, oh, okay. And then, like, the first thing in my head was he said children. So I have siblings and more than one. Wow. So, like, the first thing that went off in my head. You know, another big smile. You know, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have siblings. So, you know, I said, you know, tell her I'm, you know, I'm really looking forward to meeting her and that I will get in contact with you as soon as we get back from England. Amy and her husband returned from England and informed the mediator she was ready to meet her biological mother. But the woman's correspondence from the mediator had gone dark. Amy's thinking to herself, oh, no, is she backing out? And I'm like, you know, don't panic. You know, she's, she's probably just really thinking about it. It's a big shock. Um, and then he's like, Amy, I keep calling her and I'm sending her letters. I'm not getting any response from her whatsoever. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I was so excited for this. And he said, you know, I'm getting to the point where I just have to close out the file. She is not responding. And I was like, then go ahead, close out the file. I guess she changed her mind. I guess she doesn't want to tell her children i was heartbroken oh my gosh absolutely heartbroken because she's the one i wanted to meet yeah you know most of all most of all and she backed out so amy focused on the search for her biological father she returned to the court asked for another mediator and asked for the next search to be focused on him the man Amy found with her own search fit her knowledge, so she wanted the court to find this other guy listed on her birth certificate. Somebody had to know who the correct man was. The mediator found the man on the birth certificate in less than 24 hours. She called Amy at work. And she says, are you sitting down? I, I am now. <laughs> <laughs> she said, listen, um, the guy that is listed... Uh, on your birth certificate, 
I don't believe he is your father at all. And I said, okay, she lied. And she said, yes, she did. And I'm like, who is that man? And she said, I did ask him if he knew your birth mother. And I gave him the name. And he said, yes, I know her. And she's like, how do you know her? And why would you put your name on her birth certificate? This man was absolutely livid, just shocked. And he's in his 70s. <laughs> he was so mad. Wow. And he said um, she was sent to her aunt's house later in her pregnancy. He goes, we all knew she was pregnant. And her aunt lived next door to my parents. And she named him. This poor guy that lived next door to her aunt and uncle that took her in while she was pregnant because she was hiding. And she named that guy as the father. So she just picked a guy in order to maintain the anonymity of the actual father. Correct. Wow. And he was not happy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He was not happy. So I said to her, that's great because I know the guy that I found. He's the guy. I go, so this just, this just proves it to me even more. After learning that the man listed on her birth certificate was her birth mother's aunt's neighbor's son, Amy wanted to talk to this guy to see if she could get the father's name from him. The mediator said she couldn't give Amy his phone number because he said he wasn't the guy. The mediator was forced to close out Amy's file. Her third closed file with the court system, she said it was all very frustrating. She turned back to Facebook to see what more she could learn. Amy found the man's son, who has the same name, Nathan, and he's the man's junior. She was shocked to see that the son looked just like her in photos online. He had the same skin color, blue eyes, dark hair. This guy had to be her brother. Amy connected with Nathan through Facebook Messenger, saying she needed to chat with him concerning family business. And I didn't get a response. So I let like a week go by, and then I tried again, and then I just came out with the truth and just spilled it. I'm like, listen, I think I'm your half-sister. Um, it's your father that I believe is my birth father. I really need to talk to you. Nothing. That went on for another week. So then I was just desperate, and I'm like, I'm going to post right onto his timeline. This guy's going to be like, who is this girl? <laughs> like, right. Stop bothering me. Right. So I posted right onto his timeline saying, you know, Nathan, I really need to talk to you. It's really important. It's about your family. And I put my phone number out there. And within five minutes, my phone rings. Wow. And I was like, oh, this is about to get real. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I got out to talk to a family member for the first time in my life. So that hit me real fast. So I picked up the phone and I'm like, hello. And the first thing he says is, so you think you're my sister, huh? And I was like, oh, you did read the messages. He's like, yes. And he's like, why do you think that? And so I listed everything. I told him everything that was in my adoption file. And all the way down to, you know, he was working at the gas station, you know, with your uncle. And he said, yeah, that's true. And I said, is your dad's birthday right after May 23rd? Close by. He said, yes, June 12th. And I said, was he born in 1947? Yes. Is he six foot two and have blue eyes? Yes. Like everything I was naming. Does your grandmother have red hair? You know, I just, I went, you know, did you guys come from Tennessee? I'm just blasting him with all this stuff. 
And he's like, yes, yes, yes. And I said, well, I think he is my birth father. And then, you know, he just kind of said, you know, Amy, I, I don't mean to disappoint you or anything, but he's not a nice man. This is not the kind of guy you want to meet as your birth father. Wow. I was like so let down. I was like, no, you got to be kidding. I want him to be a good guy. Right. He's uh. like, yeah. Yeah, he's like, you know, he's just, he's not a good person. He said, actually, none of us, none of his children talked to him. He said, we haven't talked to our dad in over 20 years, which spoke volumes to me. Yeah, for real. That speaks volumes. When every single one of them didn't speak to him for over 20 years, something really had happened, right? So, and I I didn't want to pry, but like later on, I found out, you know, he was a very abusive um, alcoholic. Uh, very abusive mm-hmm. you know they watched their mom go through some beatings oh. and yeah you know, like the kind that she would have to go into the hospital things like that oh my gosh and i was like okay yeah he's not a nice guy at all her half-brother nathan said he would talk with his sisters they would speak with their mother and discuss the whole situation their mother denied up and down there was any way that their father could have gotten another girl pregnant He was well accounted for overseas in the Vietnam War. Their mother said Amy had to be mistaken. Nathan texted Amy to say his sister, Lisa, was going to call later that night. When they got on the phone, Amy could sense that Lisa was very on guard. Amy respected Lisa's caution and treaded lightly as they spoke. Lisa said she thought perhaps Nathan had a few of the facts wrong, so She asked Amy to clarify a few things, so Amy restated all of the facts as she knew them. And she said, uh, yeah, every single one of those describes my father. And I said, you know, I forgot to mention, I said, one of the things they did tell me was when I was born, your dad was married for nine months. So that weekend before he got married is when this happened, because it was nine months later. Oh, my gosh. Which her mother didn't know. And she's like, what? And like he was nearing their mother the next weekend. Oh, my gosh. And that's when I was conceived. I'm like, what kind of bachelor party was this? <laughs> like, <laughs> this isn't good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're right. That would have been sort of a bachelor party kind of thing. Holy mackerel. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Nine months later. So I was, she was like, oh, I'm like, so you might want to talk to your mom about that and see what she has to say. Because she keeps saying he was accounted for, you know, because he was in Vietnam, but he came home for the wedding. He was there. And she's like, well, that's true. (laughs) I'm like, well, that's when I was conceived. Lisa spoke to her mother, who was still in total disbelief. Amy suggested the only way to clear things up was for one of the siblings to take a DNA test. Lisa agreed. Amy ordered an Ancestry DNA kit, then met Lisa and her husband at a restaurant a few months later. Amy said she wasn't very emotional leading up to that restaurant meeting. It was very transactional regarding the delivery of the DNA test kit. Amy, Lisa, and her husband had a great dinner. The first thing I noticed about her was we had the exact same eyes. It was like, again, with the eyes. 
<laughs> but I didn't say anything because I thought, oh, she's going to think, oh, you poor little adoptee, you're just reaching for anything. <laughs> you know, right. I didn't, I didn't want to say anything. Yeah. And at the end of the dinner, she looked at me and she said, our eyes are exactly the same, aren't they? I said, oh, did you notice that too? <laughs> then I just left it at that. You know, we'll, <laughs> we'll soon find out. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> so she uh, she took the test. Uh, four weeks later, we got the results, and she showed up as my half-sister. Unbelievable. Confirmation, finally. What did she say finally. when you got those results back? She was so excited. Really? That's awesome. She was so excited. And she said, you know, we're so happy that, uh, you know, we have a new sister. And she said, I just want you to know we have enough love for another sibling. And, you know, we want you in our lives. And I was so happy to hear that. You know, that's what you want to hear as an adoptee. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, those were the magic words. That next weekend... All of the siblings and their spouses met up at a local bar to get to know one another. They were great. It was like sitting around talking with old friends. Like it just clicked. It went very, very well. That's amazing. It was a great meeting. That's so cool. Wow. That was so exciting. Like after all these years. And I'm thinking my search was for my birth mother. And I'm so happy right now. I'm sitting here with my paternal siblings. That's And I was so happy. I finally met someone connected to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny. You can imagine, even even at the moment, you know, before when you got your ancestry results and it shows connections, these, if they don't have, you know, sort of an avatar or a picture of themselves, they're almost like apparitions in the, dist- in the distance. You can't make them out. You couldn't pick them out from anyone. And then as you exactly. start to have these conversations... You start to find them on Facebook. You start to really start to identify them. They become real people. But it's not until you really actually sit face-to-face with someone else that it becomes real. That's And for it to work out well, wow. That's amazing. It was amazing. So they were there at the bar, um, I think, like a half an hour before me and my husband. So when we walked through the door, you know, they all stood up. And um, Lisa came up to me with just the biggest smile. And I hugged that girl so tight and just said, thank you so much for believing me. Thank you so much for listening to me. You know, I know you didn't think that I was, but here we are. And she's just like, well, we got another sister and we're happy. And then she took me over and introduced me to the other siblings. So I was, it was, it was nice. It was really, really nice. It was a great time. That sounds amazing. That's and I'm still really in touch cool. with them today. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. So um, in between all this, you know, I was like, well, this is great. You know, it didn't quite turn out the way I wanted it to be. But, you know, I got these um, siblings and, you know, this is good. We're all in connection. You know, all the cousins met and we had this big, huge dinner one day. And, you know, I brought my kids. They brought their kids. And. You know, it, it was just as exciting for my girls, right? Because they were going to see another side of the family that they are also connected with. It's not just about me. Yeah. Like, these are your aunts. These are your uncles. These are your cousins, your first cousins. You know, so it was really exciting for them, too. <laughs> That's so cool. You know? I was, yeah, yeah they, I, I was, I'm glad you raised that. I was definitely going to ask. Go ahead. Very supportive. All three of my girls. 
and my husband just very very supportive Mm -hmm. you know they saw me go up and down up and down you know and um when this end result happened and they saw how happy i was i mean they were just behind me 110 percent you know and it was great it was a great feeling everything about it was good in terms of trying to locate her biological mother amy didn't give up she replicated some of the search techniques and sleuthing she learned from mary the genealogist She adapted strategies she picked up on her own, creating spreadsheets of contacts whom she reached out to, searching for more clues. During the ongoing search, Amy read The Girls Who Went Away by Ann Fessler. Her goal was to develop empathy for her birth mother for all that she had gone through when she got pregnant back then. Amy wanted to have a clear understanding of the environment for unwed mothers, just in case she ever met her own birth mother one day. Her search lasted nearly two years. And one day, my husband and I, in the summer, were just sitting out, like a little bonfire, and I thought, oh, I'll check my app on my phone, you know, and it came up that I had a new high match. And I was like, well, it's probably my paternal side. So I looked at it, and I'm like, I don't recognize this last name at all. Like, this is not in any of my spreadsheets. Not, this isn't in any of my research. Who is this person? Mm-hmm. So I looked her up on Facebook, and I swear it was five minutes. I figured out it was my birth mother's sister. It was my aunt. That's awesome. On my maternal side. Wow. She, she had one sibling, and there she was looking at me. <laughs> I'm like, this is my birth mother. Like, all of a sudden, I have a picture in front of me, like, that fast. Wow. I don't look anything like her. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I was like, there she She materialized. Like, she's a person now. She's in front of me. And I couldn't believe it. And I'm, like, trying to tell my husband, but I'm, like, you know, blurting stuff out so fast. He doesn't know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I'm like, this is her. This is her. <laughs> right. This nonsensical excitement over this massive triumph you've just had. I hear you. Yeah. Just a babbling fool. So, you know, I'm telling them. So I was like, that's so weird. I'm like, I wonder why she took an ancestry test. And then I remembered from the very beginning when my birth mother was contacted and I had told that mediator, here's my ancestry credentials. And these are the names that came from it. Well, he told her that it was from ancestry. Wow. You're right. So. Yeah, and she told her sister. That's and right. And her sister ended up taking the ancestry test, and this is over a year later. Yep, knowing full well that you would have a relation to her, but that there would be a bit of a barrier between the two of you, you and your birth mother, she asked her sister to do it, right? She did not. My birth mother had no idea that she was doing it. <gasps> really? She, she did it behind her back, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I found that out later. I guess she took the test. She had gotten the results. And then she told my birth mother, I'm letting you know right now, I did take an ancestry test. And I am matched with her. And she said, my birth mother said, don't you dare reach out to her. And don't you dare tell her anything about me. And she made her promise. Do not reach out to her. Really? So she promised. And she, she did not, but she said, if she reaches out to me, I will speak to her. Good for and her. she's like, okay. 
So I'm happy she actually stood up for me. So their match sits there in Ancestry DNA, but Amy's aunt doesn't reach out. Amy told her husband John she's going to reach out to her aunt, and John agreed. She had nothing to lose. And when I sent her a message through Ancestry, I did a very factual message. Like, you are my aunt. This is my birth mother's name. This is where I was born. Like, I told her, like, I know for a fact. I know exactly who you are, and I know exactly who my birth mother is. Mm -hmm. I put all the, you know, the hospital, you know, my birth date, all this stuff. And a couple hours later, here comes this message and said, you are absolutely right. I am your aunt. And I'm like, thank you. I got it. <laughs> yes. You know, you need that acknowledgement, right? You want someone to say it. You know, yeah. tell me the truth. And it was like, she's like, absolutely, you are right. She didn't have any qualms. You know, she didn't try to dance around it. She was like, I am your aunt. The women agreed to talk by phone that night. Amy was excited to hear the truths contained within her story. Her aunt knew Amy had a ton of questions, so she invited her to fire away. What's the story here? You know, I said, were they boyfriend and girlfriend? You know, it was like, what happened? And she said, no, he, she's like, your father, and I never mentioned his name on purpose because I wanted her to say his name. Yeah. Just, just because of the whole thing on the birth certificate and stuff. So I never mentioned his name. So she's like, your father had a cousin that lived on the same street as us, two doors down. And he would go and see his cousin all the time. And that's how your mother met him. Because he was hanging around his cousin's house two doors down. And they were all like right around the same age and they all hung around. She had no idea that he was engaged to be married. She had no idea that he had already fathered a child. She just thought he was some guy, free and, you know, just doing what you do at 19, 20 years old. Mm -hmm. You know, no commitments, no nothing. But he had already had quite a secret life that he was not telling anybody about. He was quite a ladies' man from what I understand. Oh, wow. Yes, like six foot two, blonde hair. What I mean, blue eyes. Whatever you described oh, yeah. him as. Yeah, sounds like a handsome I, guy. I did see his pictures, and you know he was a good looking guy. So you know, my aunt was like, "Oh, you know, your mom, your mom was just so infatuated with him and thought he was oh so good looking. So he probably just preyed on her for that. He he knew and had whatever fun. It was a one time thing, and he got married the next weekend and. A few months later, she finds out she's pregnant. Yeah. And now he's already married. Yeah, right. She has no no recourse. Mm. Yes. And she still didn't know that until I told Barbara on the phone. I said, did you know he was engaged to be married and that he had already had one daughter with this woman? And she's like, no, we had no idea. He was not a single man. So I said, you know, how did my grandparents react to this? And she's like, well, not well. You know, we came from a strict Italian Catholic family. And I said, oh. And she said, your grandfather came running out of the house with a shotgun and chased him down the street. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. <laughs> you could back then. You know, they told her, you're not going to have this baby and you're going to go to your aunt's house that's out on some farm. And then at the end, you're going to go to an unwed, an unwed mother's home. And that's exactly what happened. That's unbelievable. So, 
as I'm talking to Barbara, she makes a comment that I thought was strange. She says to me, you know, I got all my ethnic uh, breakdown, and she said, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it, and I just, where's this Irish coming from, huh? And I said, well, I'm Irish. And she's like, yeah, I just don't, I don't know where the Irish came from. And I was like, oh, I, I don't know. I said, I guess we all have a little bit of everything. Um, she's like, well, you know, my mother was French-Canadian, and my father was 100% Italian. And I was like, oh, I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I can help you dig through your ancestry if you want. And she's like, oh, no, 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 honey, that's fine. I just, just thought it was strange. I wasn't expecting to see Irish. And she just kind of left it at that. We said a few more pleasantries, and we hung up. Amy went straight to Ancestry, grabbed her aunt's results, and compared them with her own. Side by side, Amy could see there was 0% Italian in her aunt's DNA. Amy had 1%. Looking more closely at their match, Amy sees that she and her aunt are matched highly as first cousins. Digging deeper, Amy found that this aunt wasn't a full aunt, she was her half-aunt, which meant she and Amy's birth mother were half-sisters. In their conversation, her aunt kept saying, our dad, but it was becoming clear to Amy that she and her sister only had their mother in common. I kept looking at these results, and I'm sitting there thinking, this man is not her father. There's no way this man is her father. She has zero Italian in her. So then I went back to my research, and there was one family that I could not link after I had figured out everything. I had this one family that I was connected to that I could not figure out where it fell. I could not figure, I couldn't link them to my birth father's side. I couldn't link them to my mother's side. It just was kind of out there on an island. And I could not get it in to, to get into this family tree. I ended up talking to this girl who would uh, be a first cousin. They were trying to help me. And then one day they were like, you know, why don't you just call us? And I'm like, well, that's weird. So I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll call you. So I get home from work and I call them. And I said, listen, you know, something's not right. I said, you know, these sisters are actually only half sisters. They think the father that raised them is their father. They have no idea. And I've got this branch that doesn't work into anything. And then she's like, you know, we have something to tell you. And I was like, well, what? What is it? And she said, our grandfather um, was a player back in the day. He owned a grocery store in Southgate. And I was like, okay. And I had told them that my birth mother's family owned a music store in Southgate <laughs> on this one strip. Uh-huh. So she says you mentioned this music store that was in Southgate. And I said, well, yeah, that's what they told me. And she said, well, my grandfather had this store. You know, it was two stores down from that music store. And my father got music lessons from the music store. And I was like, oh, I get it. He was dropping his son off for music lessons. And he ended up having this affair with my grandmother and got pregnant. They were both married. And then it just, it all clicked. The stores, it was in Southgate. This guy had music lessons. And I was like, 
that's how he knew, you know, my maternal grandmother. He was dropping his son off to get these music lessons. Oh, wow. And then they ended up striking up some kind of fling, and she got pregnant with my birth mother. That is and crazy. She passed up. It's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm totally blown away because you've actually revealed, it sounds like, two secrets. Unreal. I was like, this story just keeps going and going. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you better stop before you blow up the whole family tree. I'll tell you, one of the cousins, though, she had said to me, she was, you know, she kept helping me. And she said, you just remember one thing. And I said, what? And she's like, through your search, you will find that DNA doesn't lie, but people do. That is incredible. Wow. It Amy. is mm. absolutely incredible. So these women do not know that that's not their father. And what a twist. The adoptee knows who the birth mother's father is. I know exactly who he is, but she doesn't. You're right. That's, that's a, a crazy twist. <laughs> that's that unreal. That is a twist. <laughs> that is unreal. Oh, my gosh. So can you imagine if I met her? I'd be like, well, I know who your dad is. Amy said she was very thankful for that one family who admitted their grandfather was a player and for everyone who helped her along this road. We closed by talking about the power of the truth that DNA testing has revealed for so many people and how many more scenarios are possible for other people. You know, I tell you, this whole ancestry and everyone doing DNA is just, there's got to be so many people out there just worried. If they had a secret, you know, so many people are doing this. You know, they get yeah. them as Christmas gift, a birthday, you know, oh, something fun to do. And not knowing you know, they could unfold some deep family secret. Yeah. And it's funny, too. I think about it from several different perspectives. I think about the guy who used to be a player and is wondering, like, uh-oh, do I? how many kids do I have out there? And then, of course, there's oh, yeah. the stories of, you know, the sperm donors who end up being having, you know, umpteen children. But I also wonder about, you know, the the biological father out there who was in, like in my example had no clue he had had fathered you know a child he, my birth father had no idea i was coming and then there are going to be even more who they have lost their full mental capacity right they're in their older years they yeah. don't remember stuff and that this secret could be revealed and they can in no way corroborate it but dna very much states what transpired even if they're not able to bring forth facts that are supportive or deny what has what has been proven i mean there's just there's so many scenarios out there for people and mm -hmm. you know there are all, there's a whole whole bunch of birth mothers out there many of whom are like hanging on to your and my story hoping that this child that they relinquished some time ago finds them and that they find the for good fortune of being you know found by dna there's a whole bunch of others who are like uh oh uh, like i've got yes. i've got a sweet life here i haven't told anybody yes. about what happened this is going to rock my world and they are living in absolute and utter fear of what might happen next and it's just it's so funny i i would love to have heard some of the early conversations about the benefits and detriments of commercialized DNA testing to see if people oh, yeah. even thought of this, right? Because it's hard to realize mm -hmm. the ramifications of 
technology way down the line, especially when it's democratized the way that commercial DNA tests have been. So, wow, mm-hmm. you have you have revealed a gang of stuff all in one story. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it was crazy. But the one thing I look at this, you know, I see this DNA, you know, everyone, you know, I'm, unfortunately, I'm in a state that, you know, it's closed adoptions. There's only X many states that will allow you to have your records. So this DNA, you know, it it blew it up for the adoption community. For the first time, you know, we don't need someone's permission. We can turn in our samples and we'll be matched and we have control of what we do with that information. That's right. And we never had that control before, ever. Yeah. You know, they're handing it to you. Yeah. It, yeah, it changes the game because, um, you know, as you've said, there are places where you are blocked by state law and this you know, provides you an on-ramp to a whole new, you know, a, a whole new freeway on which to right. try to find your pathway forward. It's really remarkable. Wow. Well, congratulations, Amy. I'm really glad that you were able to find some of these answers. I know that you didn't get everything that you wanted, but, I mean, it sounds to me like you got some closures, not the right word, but some answers, and sometimes that's better than nothing, right? Yeah, like I, you know, the most important thing was I wanted to know my story. How did I come to be? You know, what happened? And that was a big one that was on the top of my list. And, you know, that was answered. I did ask for medical information and there was, there was nothing major. So that was a relief and good to know. Um, But in all, you know, I, I gained some siblings, great people. Yeah, that's super cool. You know? Excellent. Congratulations to you, Amy. Thanks so much for taking time to share your story. I appreciate it. It was, oh my gosh, it was (laughs) like I was up and down with you through the whole thing, but through disappointment and through, you know, your triumph and everything. And I'm I'm glad you got some answers. So thanks so much for taking time. I'll talk to you later. All the best. Okay. Okay. Thank you, David. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, it's me. Amy's life started out really challenging with the looming threat of being ripped out of adoption and returned to her unknown place of origin. Later, she went through three unsuccessful rounds of trying to find her biological parents through the courts. In the end, DNA helped Amy find out more about her story, but only after she learned the real stories of her birth mother's pregnancy, her birth father's last days of bachelorhood, and her maternal grandfather's player ways. I'm so glad Amy got the fulfillment of meeting her siblings and introducing her own kids to their cousins. That kind of closure can fill voids we didn't even know existed. After the show, Amy wrote me an email to share the following. I forgot to mention one other fact that I found shocking during my search. Like I said, I met my three siblings on my paternal side. When we were all talking, our birth dates came up. Come to find out, when my birth mother was pregnant with my birth father, his new wife became pregnant within the first month of their marriage. His wife and my birth mother were pregnant at the same time, with due dates four weeks apart. So, I have a sister that was born one month after me. I was born May 23, 1968, and my sister was born June 22, 1968. I'm Damon Davis, and I hope you'll find something in Amy's journey that inspires you, validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you 
to have the strength along your journey to learn. Who am I, really? If you would like to share your adoption journey and your attempt to connect with your biological family, please visit whoamireallypodcast.com slash share. You can follow the show at facebook.com slash really or follow on Twitter at really. If the show is meaningful to you, you can support me with a contribution to keep it going on patreon.com slash really. Please subscribe to Who Am I Really on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. It would mean so much to me if you took a moment to leave a five-star rating there. Those ratings can help others to find the podcast too, 